All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mazda Friday continues on the Jason Greger Show and I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Great first hour, man. Uh, really learned a lot in our uh, skating segment with uh, Daryl Marchek from Perfect Skating. We had uh, Mark Zacchino on talking that uh, PGA Championship as uh, Corey Connors having himself a pretty good first two days thus far as he's uh, the leader at the top of the leaderboard at six under, still on the course. Of course, uh, barely see him, though. He's wouldn't want to show the leader now, would you? Unbelievable. Nonetheless, let's get to the uh, casting report brought to you by NextGen Transportation, Heavy Hall Transport Provider, 100% locally owned and operated, and a huge supporter of numerous youth sports teams and many charities. They love giving back to the community. It's nextgentransportation.com as uh, Matt Cassian joins us and uh matt i want to get your thoughts on the uh quadruple overtime game last night that was 13 seconds away from going to game five what'd you make of the uh goalie interference call that uh negated lomberg's goal which would have ended it about two hours earlier yeah well listen um do we ever really know what is or isn't going to be a goalie uh goalie interference call these days i mean it's 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 a little bit a little bit all over the place. Um, I I don't know, Greg's. I don't know. I these these things these days seem to be so. Just they just kind of are arbitrary. I mean, I thought he had enough time to get back. It wasn't like it was a massive bump. I mean, he's got a guy on him. I I don't know, Greg's. It just they the standard seems to be shifting constantly, and they kind of arbitrary throw a dart at a board and see if it's a call or not. Um, with that being said. I mean, it was pretty fun for the rest of overtime to watch, uh, at least till I started to doze about three and a half overtimes in. Um, but then I, I woke up again for the goal, which was nice. 
Oh, did you? See, you know what? I tapped out at the uh, at the end of the third overtime. I'd been watching it, Ben. I could just see the eyelids, and I'm like, okay, I'm out. I hit record. I woke up in the morning, and I watched it like it was live, so I... You know, still, but I didn't watch it live. But still, it was. Uh, I just couldn't make it anymore. So kudos to you to to make it. Through. I actually thought Florida ha- had more of the better chances in overtime, and, and felt like they were deserving of the win. They they looked a little bit better. I thought um, it did seem like Carolina was in more of just a don't make any mistakes type of mode. Like they never really pressed or or were pressing or were threatening consistently. Where it seemed to me that uh, that Florida was threatening uh, a, a lot more, had a lot more opportunities. Um, Anderson made a couple really nice saves. He had the one good shoulder save right off the numbers. Um, another good uh, save off a of deflection in front uh, in that fourth overtime as well. So he he managed to keep the puck out and, and do some good things out there. And he looked a little bit like uh, old Freddie Anderson playing well. And, and Greg's, if this is the type of goaltending that we get both from Anderson um, as well as from Bobrovsky, I mean, we we could be in for a long series and and one where the goaltending is uh, is is on uh, on show uh, because it was really really good yesterday. Which leads me to my next question. So you basically play two games in one day, right? You ended up playing more than two full games. And we know about the fatigue factor for goalies in today's game now more than ever. Carolina has anti-Rantis sitting there. It'd be like an easy decision for me to, to consider it anyway. Do you think either team, like it'd probably be harder for Florida because Bob won, but do you think either team would consider a different goalie for game two just to make sure that they get rested and recuperated? Well, I think if you're Carolina, it's an it's an easy switch to say, you know, Freddie, you played really, really well. You played two games in one night. Uh, we have another one coming up here, and, and let Ranta go, who's been he's been all right for them. Um, when we look at Florida now, we kind of go, okay, well, Bobrovsky has been so much better that I don't know, I don't know if you can take him out, Greg's, and he's in that kind of a zone where it's just like it almost doesn't matter how much he's playing. He's just going to be, he's going to be really good. So to, to me, I look at it and I go, okay, you got the win as Florida. Bobrovsky's been playing so good. Are you toying with fire by doing it? I don't know, maybe, but I, I kind of look to roll back with him. Um, now for Carolina, again, I think you have the benefit of having Ranta and being able to swap him in. And and to me, that's the the direction I would go first personally. Okay, and that makes sense for sure. So, a uh, good problem to have and, and a lucky problem because I like both goaltenders. Like, you know, Anderson has been good, but it's not like Antiranta has played uh, poorly by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Kyle Dubas, uh, I don't know, did you catch any of Brendan Shanahan's press conference? Uh, obviously, it has people, uh, you know, creating a lot of different opinions on it where Shanahan, you know, said, hey, talk to him in March. We'd like to have you back. And then, uh, you know, they, they, Dubas said, we'll speak to my agent. And then, Shanahan and his presser, and I don't know how much of it's true, but he said, hey, you know what, geez, after watching his presser, I'm not really sure he wants to be the guy. You know, Dubas had said how tired he was. And then he mentions that, well, Dubas came back and they countered with a different offer, and that seemed to annoy Shanahan. So what what stood out for you? Where do you come out on this press conference and the decision to move on from Kyle Dubas? Well, they kind of seem to, I, I don't know. I, I think some of it is angling to be a little bit of a mutual thing. Um 
It's it's so interesting, and even even when we look back now, and with what Shanahan said to to view the Dubas press conference, where he kind of just wore his heart on his sleeve and, and talked uh, about how hard it was for him. I mean, that's that's not a conversation that typically happens publicly. I mean, that conversation usually would be the one that you have with Brendan Shanahan to say, "Hey, this was really hard on us. We got to talk this through." Um, and so it's interesting to me that Shanahan seems to be indicating that 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 wasn't the case. That wasn't what was communicated with them. You know, it was communicated uh, you know to to the media before it was communicated uh inside a boardroom and to me that's kind of odd i i, I don't know if i want to say a misstep by dubis but certainly mm-hmm. one where as an organization if they didn't know that which it seems to be from shanahan that that he's looking at this and the organization is looking at going like well does he even want to be here does he want to be here? And with the pressure of the job, if we have someone that might not want to be here or isn't all in to do this and all in for what our team needs, well, how can we bring him back? It, it kind of puts him in a tough position, especially if they didn't have those conversations. So it's a it's an interesting situation, uh, a unique, kind of creates a little bit more urgency to make some changes inside of Toronto. But yeah, it's going to be interesting here, Greg's, I think, to see some of the the – I don't want to say fallout from this, but just I, I don't think we've heard all the stories yet out of this. Like, I think we're going to get more. There's going to be more information. We're going to learn more about what actually happened. And it's uh, it's going to be interesting to hear about. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if you're Brendan Shanahan, can you bring in a rookie GM again? Or do you have to bring someone with experience? Like, I think I Toronto's they're in a really tough spot here. Like, they've got some good pieces, but. What changes are you making? I don't think you can just roll out the exact same roster. So what changes are you making? There's going to be some tough decisions. I think you need an experienced GM. Where do you come out? Yeah, I don't I don't think you can go to a rookie again here. I mean, Dubas was a guy that was groomed for the job for a while. I mean, he was young. Um, I, I think he did some good things. Uh, I, I think you need you need an experienced GM, and and I think so, Greg's because you gotta you gotta make some very big decisions, particularly with that group of four forwards up front. Um, do you try to keep everybody? Do you move somebody to try to improve the defense? Still, some decisions on goaltending. Like you still have, I think, a bunch of questions that you need to answer if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and I just I don't think you can put that in the job of someone that doesn't have any experience. Now it needs to be the right person, certainly. Um, it could. Could you possibly, Greg's, find uh, someone that's been an assistant GM that's had um, a, a lot of responsibility in the last couple of years? Well, possibly, but to me, I kind of go, ah, I, I just, uh, I think that adds risk unnecessarily to what you're trying to do and with where you are as a team. Matt Cassin joins us on the Sports Theater TSN 1260. Matt, uh, on a positive Friday, if you're Ken Holland, what changes are you making on your blue line for next season it's going to be a tricky one um you might not like this craig's uh i'm not sure where you stand i know there's some people that really don't like this uh i I think change number one has to be you need to package broberg with somebody else and uh and bring in either top four defenseman or another top six winger um now who you look at to package you know there's a lot of yamamoto people out there who would say that's who you look at but i think you know when you're looking at it you either need you either need someone in your top four defensemen on the right side that you can bring in consistently um you need to get uh better probably bigger on your right side in your top six up front and to me you know, Broberg, although he has an incredibly bright future uh, ahead of him, is going to be potentially a very, very, very good NHL defenseman. He's still two years away from doing that, or three. And for a team that needs to win, as uh, is. 
This is an Alberta emergency alert. Plaza Friday continues on at the Sports Leader. TSN 1260. Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. Struds will uh, join us in about uh, 15 minutes time. But uh, first, we are going to get to the playoff report brought to you by Tenacore. The fire protection industry is moving to high-volume flows and large diameter equipment. The more water you can put on a fire, the faster it will be put out. Call the team at Tenacore for high-volume water manifolds, hose, valves, and fire monitors. Check out Tenacore.com. As uh, Saad Youssef uh, joins us, a uh, beat reporter for the uh, Dallas Stars, writes at The Athletic. And, uh, well, uh, Saad, they got a pretty high bar to live up to as far as to match uh, game one <laughs> of uh, Carolina <laughs> and Florida. But on paper, this should be a pretty good matchup between uh, Dallas and Vegas. Yeah, for sure. And uh, let me just say, I, I wholeheartedly hope they don't aim to match that um, at all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you know, but it's funny. I, I kind of, you know, mentioned this yesterday on Twitter as well after that game ended. And I know how, like, you know, obviously that game went, you know, four overtimes, all that stuff. The the Golden Knights have, and Stars have played three times this season, the regular season, and twice the games went to a shootout. So it went to overtime. Nobody scored in overtime and went to a shootout. So when you talk about evenly matched matchups, this is about as even, even as it can get. What about the goalie matchup? Where do you come out on Ottinger versus Hill? Well, I mean, Ottinger certainly has the edge on that. I, I don't think – I think, you know, everybody would pretty much agree on that in terms of just – Overall, Ottinger is a true number one. He has playoff pedigree, all that kind of stuff. But there's also no um, there's no running from the fact that Ottinger has had a very uneven postseason thus far. Um, I think he's had you know his typical what you expect really really good games, really good moments, big moments. Um, even in games that he wasn't at his best, he still came up with the big saves. Uh, but then he's had some really leaky moments as well, and some really bad games, particularly game three against Seattle was probably his worst game as a pro in the AHL or NHL at any, you know, regular or postseason. So I think he's had a very uneven postseason. And so um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that kind of matches up with Aiden Hill, who obviously, you know, is, is a, is a, is more of a contingency plan than, than a number one. We look at uh, matchups. Uh, Jack Eichel has had a coming out party in this postseason. Um, Miro Heiskanen, I'm assuming, is the D-man who's going to be on the ice against the Eichel line as much as he can. What about the forward line? What, what matchup uh, do you believe Pete DeBoer wants? Oh, he's got to want the Rope Hints line. And that's not just because they're the top line, but it's also because Rope is their best, uh, he's their best defensive forward as well. So, um, you know, I think as much as he can, I think DeBoer will want to match up the Eichel line with the Robertson Hintz Pavelski line, mainly because of what Rope provides in that in that capacity, both offensively and defensively. And I think defensively, from a pure you know in the defensive zone standpoint, that's where Rope can really shine against Eichel. But I think generally the the formula that that line, the Stars' top line, has always had is that their best defense is sustained offensive zone pressure. So if they can do that and, and just keep the puck away from the Eichel line, I think that will be obviously the uh, ideal scenario. When you look at you know the, the, the Vegas defense top to bottom, I think maybe one through six they're better, but I think Dallas has the best defenseman in the series. Um, who who has to like? Where do you come out on Robertson so far through two rounds, and and how much more does he have to step up? And do you think he can? 
You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation recently with somebody in the organization, and, you know, they, they kind of mentioned that, you know, with, with as much negative publicity, and, and that includes from myself, I've written probably three stories about how Robertson has to step up. He was like, like uh, the fact also is that Robertson is the second leading scorer on this Dallas team behind Rope Hintz. Um, Rope has 19 points, Robertson has 12. And, and so, obviously, if Pavelski plays that first round, he probably leaps him in that category. But um, I, I think that's, you know, uh, that's kind of the story of Robertson where he's had good moments, and I think a lot of it came on the power play in that first series against Minnesota, or most of it came on the power play in that first series against Minnesota. But um, I think Robertson, the most, the most uh, you know, the, the best news for the Stars in that regard is that Robertson started to look better. He started to look more comfortable. If you watch Game 7, there were a couple of times where you know, he did everything but score the goal. And that wasn't always the case um, at five on five uh, in the first, whatever that was, 12 games of the postseason. So I think, you know, the fact that he looks better, I think there's two ways to look at his postseason so far. It's that is his game going to translate and, and maybe this just isn't the year or is he just looking, is, you know, is it just kind of waiting to pop off? And I think that's kind of where I'm leaning right now with Robertson. Okay. Wyatt Johnson is a rookie who doesn't look like a rookie, doesn't play like a rookie. The coach didn't treat him like a rookie. Had him as their most used shorthanded guy all season long, which is mind-blowing to me. You just don't see coaches do that uh, very often. You've seen him all the time, Saad. Well, what impresses you most about his game? Well, I mean, for me, it's, it's his uh, hockey IQ. I, I think there's, you know, it's a very uh, cliche, easy thing that, you know, a lot of people just turn to, but there's very there's not a lot of players that I think you can see the hockey IQ manifesting on the ice. And with Wyatt Johnson, I think you can see that. And the reason why you can see that, I think, more with him is because he's he's literally the lightest player on the Stars. At I, 6'1", 185, he's the lightest player on the roster, um, which you would expect from a 19, 20-year-old um, at this level. So, you know, he has to he has to get creative. He has to be, um, you know, he's not going to win a lot of physical puck battles, so he has to be really good with his stick. He has to get to spots quicker than the opposition does because he needs to, you know, he needs to have better positioning because he's not going to be able to gain positioning in a one-on-one physical battle. So I think for me, the hockey IQ element has really been the most impressive thing. And, and like I said, it's one of those things that when you watch him on the ice, you can see it manifest. And, and I don't think that you always see that. So for me, it's been, it's been that has been number one. And I think number two, and it, and it kind of, again, goes back to his size element, is, um, is that I, I, he doesn't get hit. And, and, you know, it's not because other teams aren't trying to hit him. It's just, again, he's so smart. He's able to avoid those big, big, you know, hits that are going to, you know, knock him out or things like that. So I think all those things are kind of what make him so impressive. So I'd enjoy the series, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, who you got? You know, I've, I've got that question a lot. I, I, I think I'm leaning towards Stars uh, to win the series, but I think whichever team does win it, I think it'll end in six. And so, uh, you know, right now I guess officially I would say Stars in six. All right. Enjoy it. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Yep. Saad Yusuf uh, joining us from Dallas Stars and Vegas. They're going to be hard-pressed to uh, match up. And I know hey, some of you don't like the uh, long games. We've got a lot of text flying in. It's a 10, 12, 60. Not happy with it. Uh, some other ones. Hey, guys, do you think Eisenman will be interested in the T.O. job from Randy? No, I, I think he's firmly implanted in, in Detroit. Right, he's put in some time to get that team 
I, I don't think. Well, first of all, he's under contract. Second of all, Steve Eiserman is not the guy that would jump ship. So I would say a zero chance that that is uh, going to happen. Hey, boys, do I ever love a Holland press conference? It's a half an hour of motivational speaking. Never seen him with that fire. Got the big win with, boy, do you party, his best quote after the green bananas. We will party next spring and summer. I will drive from Vancouver, join the party too. No place else I want to be. Holland was something else this time around. I loved it from uh, Positive Pete. Well, there you go. Fired up about Ken Holland. You know what? Hey, if, you're, if your GM can fire you up. And, and you, know what, you know what the great part is? Well, one person really liked it. Other people will be like this. Hey, Gregor. I'm sure you won't read this, but I don't understand why everybody was so excited about Holland's press conference. He didn't say anything about what his plan is to make the team win a cup next year. Joke, as always, overrated. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Does any GM really outline his plan? Like, in general terms, yeah. But I, I think Ken Holland basically said, hey, you know what? Ken Holland, if you recall, remember when he came here, he said, you know what? I want a team that's bigger. I want defense when they're bigger. Look at the order's defense now. Smallest guy, six one and a half. He said he wanted to get bigger forwards. Kane, Hyman, Coston, Bugstad. They're bigger. Um, I, I won't be surprised if, if Kyler Yamamoto's not here anymore. Not You know, contract as, as size, a combination of it, I think. I think Ken Holland, if you listen closely to a lot of the things he said he's going to do and build the team, that's kind of what he's done. Right? He wants to build a team that can take multiple shots at a title because there's no guarantee you can win at any point. They did not have the end of the season that they wanted. But I, I really, and I talked about this and helped me understand it, the people that suggest Ken Holland hasn't done a good job, I'm, I'm perplexed as to why. Because if your argument is, well, he had McDavid and Drysaddle, yeah, so did the previous regime. They had McDavid and Drysaddle, Nurse and Nugent Hopkins. And they finished 25th in 2018 and 19. 25th combined in a 31-team league because Seattle wasn't here. And Vegas was only in their first two years, although they were good right from the get-go. So you took a team that was 25th with those four core guys, and you've had them uh, make the playoffs all four years. They have now won three rounds in the last two years. I'd say they're competitive. They're not perfect, but no team is. So, yeah, it's, no, and no, if you want to say, well, I don't like this move, sure, you can say that. But that doesn't really mean much to me. No GM has a, look at Kyle Dubas. Did every move he make worked? No, Toronto was a good regular season team, couldn't win in the playoffs. I don't think he did a horrible job. I don't think Ken Holland's done a horrible job at all. I think he's done a pretty good job. So, I actually, I actually think he outlines the plan pretty straightforward most times look what he said this year they got some decisions to make on defense and up front which is bang on now he's not going to tell you i'm going to trade this guy or that guy he's not an idiot <laughs> he's not going to tell them hey guys this is who i'm trading of course not now the other gms will know who's available they're not doesn't take a rocket science Kyler yamamoto i think cody cc potentially i think there's a chance of philip robert 
Not saying I have a chance, but I think it is. So. Hey, guys, uh, Treatly means the betting favor to be the next Toronto GM. Should there be anyone ahead of him? Pride him? Well, here's the thing. Or Pridham? I, I don't think Pridham's going to get the job. I don't think he has the personality right now to be a GM in Toronto on a team that has so many key decisions to make. Whoever takes that job, make no mistake, it's going to be a good job because financially you'll get paid a lot to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number two, you're in a market that really cares about your team. Yeah, it can be caustic at times, but the, you know they still care a lot about the team. Three, you've got some good pieces. It's just a matter of deciding which pieces to keep, which pieces to move. It's not that easy because it's not a guarantee, right? And you have to find out, is is Austin Matthews? Because he can't sign a contract extension until July 1st. We all know they can negotiate one, okay? <laughs> you just can't announce the signing of it. So you get a sense before, the, uh, the, before free agency and at the draft week, What's going to happen? If I'm Brendan Shanahan, I would assume you're going to have your GM hired within the next two weeks. You have to because you've got a very important stretch coming up for that GM. you got to give him some time to figure out and have conversations what's going on. Quick break. When we come back, uh, Jason Strudwick joins us now at Sports Theater. TSN 1260. You're listening to The Gregor Show presented by Play, Alberta.ca. 348. Welcome back to The Gregor Show. Alongside uh, Connor Halley, as we get to Strud's On, brought to you by GS Construction. And, uh, man, GS Construction, they, it's a great company. They do a lot of really important jobs. And uh, I got a note, uh, you know, earlier on we talked about how we had um, uh, 14 grads who wanted to help out. And, uh, you know, we had a, a few of them taken care of. And then uh, GS Construction said they were going to sponsor 10 of the grads. So that means we only have two left. So, uh, Taran and everybody at uh, GS Construction, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you've just made uh, graduation infinitely better for uh, for 10 young grads. That is outstanding. So, uh, that means we only have two left. Unreal! On a positive Friday. So, you want to help out, it's $325 bucks, um, to uh, sponsor uh, Gregor's grads. We have two left. And uh, I would, we had one really late school come in and... Um, couldn't say no. So if uh, if you can help out, that would be awesome. Um, they took on 10. We have two left. You can text into 10, 12, 60 with your name, and uh, I'll let you know how to do it. That would be awesome on a pause of Friday. Now we welcome in uh, Jason Strudwick, who is on the road with Struddy. Struddy, how you doing? I'm good, but just hold on. Like I love that uh, Tran and them have done that, but Tran's not getting any of his old suits in. Is that – like he's got some ill-fitting suits that I, I – I don't want to see anyone saddled with those, Gregs. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're sponsored. Everybody goes to Mr. Dirks and gets... Okay, uh, okay. Get, yes, okay. yes, yes, oh, yes. Crisis yes. averted. <laughs> yes. So that's... Uh, that. No, none, none of those... Uh, you Now, speaking of old suits, I, I hear you got the invite to the Memorial Cup. Uh, um, now, you're not, you're not still... I know you have it in your closet, but you're not going to wear your suit from the WHL, too, there, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not going to wear that blazer. I, I don't know where it is, but... Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm pretty excited. You know, it's it's um, not to get too sentimental, but you know, I was very lucky to kind of end up where I did in junior, and now they're hosting the Memorial Cup. And you know, it, it seems like just yesterday we hosted it, and we when I was playing for the Blazers and we won it. So to go back now and watch these guys, you know, looks like it's going to be Seattle. Uh, you know, obviously uh, we'll probably be in there against Kamloops, so it'll be it'll be pretty fun. And then the other teams, I just love to see a Western team win it. You know, it's been. It feels like it's been a lot overdue. 
Oh, how about just win a game or two? That would be nice. But yes, winning the whole thing. And you know what? They'll, they'll have two good chances. And Campbell's a good team. Seattle's obviously a very good team. That series isn't over yet. You never know. Winnipeg could win three in a row. I'd be surprised, but uh, never say never, uh, which would be awesome. Um, what did you make? Uh, first of all, there's no, you didn't stay up to watch all overtime, did you? It might be. <laughs> I did. I cannot. What? So I'll, I'll be honest. Actually, I just we got into Calgary kind of late, and I watched the first little bit, and then I, I, I fell asleep, and I woke up, and I was like, you know what? I wanted the game still on. And so I watched the last two periods, and uh, it was crazy. Like, that, those are crazy games, and I, I give those guys credit. The pace was still pretty decent. The goaltending was off the charts, you know? And, and the whole time I was watching that, Greg, the, the one thing I kept thinking of was, you know, could the Oilers play this structure to defense for that long? And that, that was my one thought. I kept going, well, do they have this to, for them to do it for, let's call it, you know, the seven periods we saw? And I I don't know. I'm not sure that he could, they could have done that for that long. And I think, you know, if you're a player on the team or a coach watching, like, could we have done that? Because there was a couple little breakdowns. For the most part, the guys are putting the pucks in the right area, right? Putting it down low, um, you know, back-checking hard, all those little details that really add up. So, Hell of a game, though. Hell of a game. Well, I thought Florida created definitely more. Even though Carolina had more shots, I thought Florida had more of the quality chances in that game. Um, man, I couldn't believe that goal was overturned. That was a that was a yeah, borderline goalie interference call for me anyway. But um, uh, either way, Kyle Dubas, Struddy. I know uh, in Toronto you love the uh, you love to follow the Maple Leafs. You love everything that's going on there. What do you make of uh, Dubas? And did you happen to see your former teammate Brennan Shanahan's presser today? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I, I'm not an insider, so it's not that I didn't. I did not expect this to happen this quickly, but I understand the timing, and so I got it on my phone. I was like, "What?" Like of all the days. So of course, yeah, I went right away and, and watched Shanny talk about it and his his understanding of how the events unfolded and. You know, I don't know if he's trying to, you know, usher him out nicely or, or what, you know, how to interpret it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't think that, A, your guys, you know, have done enough, or B, he doesn't really want to do it, you got to find a new guy. So no matter how tight you were. So when you look at his track record, there's one playoff series victory in five years, one. And I, I don't think that that's enough in any market, not even Toronto, just any market. So now the, the – that's not the easy part, but that's the part that you can control. Now you got to figure out who your next guy is. And, you know, who is the next, like, who is the guy? Is it Trey Living? Is that the guy? You know, he's, he mentioned experience. What do you use? Experience would be a welcome, a welcome, uh, inequality in a GM or something to use those words. So where, where do you go from here? Do you, do you go with a young guy? Do you go with a, a veteran guy? Um, but, because you, you don't have much, you, you got to get this sorted out before July 1st. So, I mean, I don't have a calendar from you. I think that's five weeks six weeks so you better figure this out really quick because they've got a ton of decisions to make you decided your gm's not good enough or is not just the right guy i can't see the coach coming back so you probably got to figure that out but then also by the way you got matthews and nylander and all these guys that you have to sort out what you want to do with them um before the draft before july 1st and then get ready for free agency whoever comes in is going to literally just he won't sleep for the five or four weeks however long it takes for him to be uh, to get all this done I did find the one thing interesting. Brennan Shanahan spoke about in his press conference that, uh, you know, like yesterday or when Dubas spoke, people were like, oh, wow, look how honest he is. And he's telling you his feelings. But he hadn't projected that to his own boss first. 
And, you know, when Brendan Shanahan talked about that, he said, hey, he hadn't, we, we had meetings and stuff. And, you know, he even sent us a note saying, you know, he's looking for a raise, which is fine. Like, that's negotiation. I don't have an issue with that. But where do you come out on the first time you hear as a boss that your guys, man, like, this is hard on me, it's challenging, is to the public but not to you first? I could see yeah. how that would be that would be a trust issue. Yeah, and I, I trust for sure. But I think also, you know, if you're going to be take on a job like that, you have to be all in. And and people aren't going to want to hear this, but the reality is, everything takes a backseat to that job. You know, I, I, any GM that you know you think Ray's you've met, you've talked to, you've had on the show, it is 365 days a year. And friends of mine that have gone into the hockey business, they like. You know, the nice thing about a player, as soon as your year's done, you're done until you start training camp again, at least as far as team-related activities. But for them, it, it never ends. Like, it, you have to be all in. And I get it. Being the, like, being the manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs is a ton. And I can only speak to you. I remember when I got to be a player for Craig McTavish that last year. And I think that had been his, I want to say, his eighth year. And you could tell, like, he, was, he had run out of steam. It is a, a, a big-time market like Edmonton or Calgary or wherever, Toronto, Montreal, New York, like those are big markets. It's a, You have to be all in all the time, and it does take its toll on you emotionally and I think even physically. So I, I don't I, – I think it would, be better, it would have been better if you had told Shani that maybe privately first, but I'm not sure if it changes the outcome, man. Like it is – that is a full-time job, and it is all-encompassing. There's nothing else except that when you're doing that job. Jason Stroudwick joins us. I'm at the Sports Theater TSN 1260. Uh, Matt Cassian, we had him on earlier, Struds, and you know when I asked him about what he'd do for the defense, uh, he said he would look up a package deal for Philip Broberg. What do you think? And I, I'm not saying I disagree with him. I, I, I can see it being an option. Where do you come out? To trade him? To trade Broberg? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it depends for who, right? Is he, I guess he's, he's looking to trade for another D-man. Would be would be Cass's idea? Well, no, because that doesn't really solve anything because you still got CC and Kulak, right? Like, is Broberg part of a package with CC and something, or Yamamoto maybe for a winger? Right? It all depends. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I'm I think if I'm looking at the, the, the just even looking at Carolina last night and even Florida for that matter, like their D man, they're they're good. Like those D for Carolina, they're out there and they're playing well. I I. I'm trying to look for an upgrade on D again, and I, I know it's unfair to CC because it's not that he's not a good NHL defenseman. I just don't have him as a two-three. I have him as a three-four-four-five. Four, yeah, so yeah. that's so it's not his fault, and and so you know, and that's where I'd probably look to to try to bump up. So you know, if you could make a package deal, sure. So you have to find a team that has one guy they really like um, for that want to you know get two for the price of one. Basically, you're buying a pairing for the price of one. And a guy that yeah, I I still like Broberg, man. I I I get not giving up on him. Like I I do understand that. But Kulak's played so well. Nurse is here, and now you have Ekholm. Where where is the room for Broberg? Like I I think there he's a wall. There's a wall there. You know, after the way Kulak's played, and and I was before the playoffs, I said he's the guy that's gone because they got to give Broberg a spot. But when he's playing that well, how do you just get rid of him? Right? Like no, I think that's don't. the hard part. So yeah. that's the challenge. So now. If you're not, if Broberg isn't in your plans to be one of your top three left defensemen, he's now the seventh guy. That isn't good for him. That isn't good for you. You probably just by the process of elimination, your option is to move him for something you do need. And I think that need is a partner for Nurse. 
and I'd have to go through the teams. I, I haven't even really had a chance, but to find the right guy with a group that wants to take those two guys on, um, you know, I don't know who that is. Is there? Uh, you might have looked through it already, Greg's, but a right shot D that can play in that spot, got to figure it out. That's very true. Stratty, have yourself an, an awesome weekend, and uh, we will chat with you. It's a long weekend, so we will talk to you on Tuesday. I love it, guys. Have a good one. See you later. Struds on, brought to you by GS Construction. It's uh, 4 o'clock. Connor Howley will give you a PGA a Championship update, and really just a, a championship update, because that's who he is, coming up. Right now on uh, the Gregor Show on Edmonton Sports Leader TSN 1260 Sports Center Update, brought to you by the Edmonton Police Service. They're hiring a fast-paced career that isn't your typical 9 to 5. Learn how you can join the team. Go to newepsrecruits.ca. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 